This morning we are talking about honor uh, from Exodus. We've been slowly, little by little, working through the Ten Commandments. This week is honor your father and your mother. I was coming here on the tram this morning with two of my daughters. Uh, we were playing the swap feeds game. Has anyone played the swap feeds game? You know what a swap feeds is, right? The bikes you see in Amsterdam with the blue front wheel. Yes, some people know. Thank you. Good. Anyway, there's a game that you can play where it's very simple. If you see a swap feet, maybe it's just our family plays this. Because <laughs> it's a bit weird. Where you see, if you see a swap feet, you get, you get one point. Um, if it's stationary, if someone's riding it, you get two points. If it's an orange swap feet, you get a bonus point because they're quite rare. And if you see a swap feet with a basket on the front with a dog in it, moving, then you win. That's just game over. You've won. And we've not seen that one yet, but we're going for it. So anyway, we're playing the swap feeds game. And I turn to my kids. The fact that we're playing the swap feeds game is irrelevant. I just thought I'd tell you about that. Because it's a good game that we should all play together. But anyway, so I turned to my kids and said to them, what does it mean? What do you think it means to honor your father and your mother? And one of my daughters turned to me and said, it means that this morning I'm going to go into the kids' ministries and not listen to you talk about it. So there you go. Great. Thank you, kids. So, here we go. We've been working through this Exodus story uh, over the last year or so, which tells this beautiful narrative of how God rescued his people out of slavery, how he drew them out of Egypt and out of the grasp of Pharaoh, and he drew them into his promises and his plans and ultimately into the promised land. And part of God drawing his people into him was drawing them into his plans and his purposes for how they should live. God's kind of guide to the good life, which in many ways is what the Ten Commandments is. So we're going to read uh, a few verses together and then I'm going to pray. So first of all, verses 1 and 2 of Exodus 20 says, Then God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. If we jump to verse 12, it says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let me pray. Jesus, we ask for your help this morning. Whenever we open the Bible, we don't want to just put all our thoughts and ideas onto it. We want it to speak to us. We want it to... Uh, uh, re-engineer our hearts and our minds and bring them into line with you and who you are. And ultimately, we want your word to speak to us, to change us, and to draw us to Jesus. So that's our prayer this morning, God. Amen. Amen. Many of us, when we come to Jesus, um, perhaps you feel more comfortable around the picture of Jesus as a, as a kind of a revolutionary, you know, the kind of Che Guevara type the sort of Jesus that drinks artisan coffee and has a big hipster beard, um, no sniggering. Um, you know, the sort of Jesus that turns over the tables and is rude to the Pharisees, uh, who uh, has a message and a story about transformation of changing the world, story of revolution. Often that's the sort of Jesus that we kind of find attractive when we read the Bible. But here... When we come to this fifth commandment, is it's, it's kind of this quite a crucial bridge, a kind of pivot point 
between two sections of the Ten Commandments. So in the first four, they're all Godward. They're all about our relationship with God, how we should honor him, how we should worship him, how we shouldn't have any other idols but worship God alone. And then the, the rest of the commandments from here on in then take a twist and start talking about how we interact with one another, our relationships with each other, how we're to exist in the world around us. And the fifth commandment is kind of this bridge between the two. It's this leading into that more practical, each other orientated, but still looking back to the fact that we should honor, that God is with us, that we should be honoring and living for him. And you would think in this kind of crucial moment of switching from how we to worship God and then going into how we should live our lives, you think it would have something that would be a bit more revolutionary in nature, some kind of change the world message, something profound and inspirational and visionary. And yet it says to us, honor your father and your mother. It's about authority. It's about honor. It's about obedience which isn't quite as glamorous a thing to talk about. It's perhaps not why some of you are, are Christians. Maybe it's not why you came here today. You thought, I didn't want to come to church. Someone tell me to honor my parents. Like, it's a bit boring. It's a bit dull. It's a bit bland. And you could say that in some ways about a lot of the, the commandments. You think, well, you know, do not murder. Sounds, sounds a bit obvious. You know, do not steal. You know, we, we get it. But the thing is, what God is doing here is he's laying some fundamental kind of building blocks of how the world should function, of how we're to interact with each other. And if you look back now, a couple of thousand years later, you see how the society, the world around us is actually very much built on these things. That so much of how we function, particularly in the Western world, is looking back to these words, saying, yes, that's what life should look like. So all sorts of legislation, all sorts of ways we function and we go about things come back to this point. They're built from these, these words. And to be honest, how much you pay attention to kind of the second half of the Ten Commandments, actually it really shows how seriously you take the first half. You can say, yeah, I worship God, I don't have any other idols, but all this honoring stuff, not really interested in that. You know, I'm, I can do what I want with my life. Who's to tell me what I should do with my sexuality, with my body, with my money, my finances? Who's to tell me what I should do with those things? But if you take that kind of perspective, you're not really taking seriously what these commandments start with about how we should worship God. And this one in particular is important, this first one that we get into here, because it outlines the most basic of all human relationships, right? All of us have parents, a mother and a father. We might not end up being parents ourselves one day. Your family situation might be messy and complicated. You know, we know for, for you know, we have friends or parents uh, in our kids' classes where sometimes it would be difficult for the kids to be able to say perhaps who their father was, or they might see themselves as having two mothers one father, or there's all sorts of complicated arrangements, but everybody has that kind of relationship, has a father, a mother. That's the relationship that society is built on. And um, the, the philosopher and theologian Augustine, he said, if anyone fails 
to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? If you, if you can't take this one seriously, how are you gonna treat everybody else? Is the point he's trying to make. He's saying this, these words here are fundamental to how we exist as people, as how we love one another, of how society works together. You know, God's intention is for society to be shaped around family. That's, what he's, that's a gift to society that he's put out there. Just as last week we were talking about how the Sabbath is this gift from God he's given us to help us to rest. Well, family is this beautiful gift he's given us to help us to know how to love one another, help us to care and look out for one another, to protect one another, to help each other mature and grow up in him. Now that means, I just want to say something here very briefly, that if, if you haven't uh, had that opportunity to create a family of your own, I don't want it to put, that, put it out there as that's the thing that you have to do. Um, there's nothing wrong with being single. For many people, singleness is, is a calling. It's something that God leads you into, which can be painful and has challenges, but it's not any less worthy than being a parent. So, you know, if you read the Bible, you know, obviously Jesus didn't get married. The Apostle Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, pretty much, he didn't get married either. So I don't want to say that one is more worthy than the other. We should be careful about that. But in our society, in our culture, often people don't want to talk about the family. People are actually, there's one of the political parties in this country are trying to get the word family removed from all of Dutch law because they're saying, well, the idea of family, the idea of parents, of a mother and father, is just a social construct. You know, it's just something that we've put upon people that actually just forces people into these rigid units which are unhelpful, that's what some people think. Whereas actually, Biblically, we should take a very different position and say, no, this is God's gift to us. This is something to bless us, to do us good, to help us be fruitful. It's an important thing. It's something that God's given us. It's how he's reshaping the world. So it's important because it's his basic building block of human relationships. It's important because of the issue of authority. Um, and not just authority in honoring our parents, but it sets out here a biblical principle of how we should honor authority in all sorts of different settings, which I've even said a less glamorous thing, haven't I? Now, honoring your parents isn't particularly glamorous, it's not very MTV, but you know, honoring people in authority in general, it's not a very hip thing to say either, but it's what the Bible calls us to, to honor authority. In the Heidelberg Catechism, I don't know if you've ever come across a catechism, they're really helpful uh, kind of uh, question and answer list of statements about what we believe. And the Heidelberg Catechism, which is one of the most helpful, it um, says this. It says, what is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? It says that I honor, love, and be loyal to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. So there's a principle here, not just of parenting, but all those in authority that I submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline, and also that I be patient with their failings. That's important. For through them, God chooses to rule us. See, following authority, as I said, isn't a glamorous thing to do, but the Bible teaches that God's put authorities there 
for a reason, that he's established them there, the good and the bad, that they're there because God is in his sovereignty, has positioned them there, that God's allowed them to be there. doesn't mean that we should, if they're doing things that are contrary to the Bible, contrary to what we believe, that we just follow cluelessly, but it does mean we should honor and respect authority over us in all sorts of different ways. Okay, my phone has stopped making this happen, Hadil, so if you could kindly make the images appear on my screen behind me. I normally say that it will appear as if by magic, but the magic is failing this morning, so Hadil is going to power it for us. So why is it important? Authority, it's also important because of the, the dignity of humanity. The Bible teach of us, teaches us that all of us, are, we're made in the image of God. There's something God-like about each and every one of us. And that should affect how we treat one another. should affect how we give people honor. Because in honoring other people, we're honoring God. We're made in his image. And that's a difficult one because people get tripped up on that as well. We don't like to honor people. We don't like to honor the elderly in particular. It says in Leviticus, um, you should stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. You should fear your God. I am the Lord. The Bible has this principle that we should honor those who are senior to us. Not just our parents, but others as well who are, who are more elderly, who are older in years. And yet we live in a very youth-orientated culture where it's very much, particularly in a city like ours, it's driven around making sure that, that, that young people have their say, that young people are empowered because they're the ones with all the potential in their life. And particularly in a world where, <laughs> because of our better health care, uh, older people are getting older and older, and they live for longer and longer, and there's more of them, and there's all sorts of pressure on pensions and the welfare state and all of that. You'll notice around us there's this subtle slip towards a bit of a kind of ambivalence or frustration of the elderly, is that we don't really know how to love and respect them anymore. I found it fascinating last year, um, I'm English, so I can talk about this. In the, in the whole Brexit vote, uh, when it took place, it was two years ago, one of the big things that came out of it was that there was a split between how young people voted and how old people voted. And lots of young people were really angry because they said, well, the old people, you're making decisions for our future and you're just going to die, so who cares about what you think? Which, I don't, I don't want to make any political statement about which way that should have gone, but perhaps there was a bit of a lack of respect there for, wait a minute, they might not be right, but they have some wisdom that we should listen to and at least honor that. <laughs> at, least, at least hear what they have to say because they've been around a lot, a lot longer than us. And actually, you know, the Bible actually talks about this a lot. In the New Testament, it talks a lot about how we should care for widows, partly because it was a social need at the time, but also because it's making a point that we should care for those who are older than us. You know, I've often quoted from this stage about the issue of loneliness in our city, but if you really drill down into those statistics about loneliness in Amsterdam, a lot of that is elderly people. It really is. People in nursing homes, people who are in care, people who their children live 
miles away and only visit them a couple of times a year. You know, perhaps maybe that's something we should think about doing as a church. Some of the more glamorous things we could do to care for the poor in our city, what about the elderly? What, what are we doing to love them and to respect them? You know, even there's an issue, I talk about this carefully, but there's an issue in our culture about euthanasia, about how, we, how, that's how we're treating elderly in that regard. Because there are, there are lots of arguments against euthanasia from a Christian perspective. You know, we're made in the image of God. Uh, who has the authority to decide who lives and who dies? About the fact that we, we're not autonomous human beings, that our decisions affect other people. But perhaps the main argument against it is that of pressure. There's a professor from, I think, Utrecht, who did some research and found out that one in five elderly people who chose in euthanasia did it because they felt pressure from a family member. Oh, that should shock us and disturb us. You know, and he, he said that often he would hear people saying things like, I don't want to be a burden on my family. But if we take this commandment seriously, we should be saying, no, I, I want you to be a burden. Like, I want to care for you. <laughs> you cared for me once, right? When I couldn't wipe my own bottom, now I want to care for you. Seriously. That's how we should respond to those, not just our own parents, but other people as well. There's still a fundamental dignity of human life that we don't get to decide, well, there's no dignity there anymore. That's not our decision to make. Also, the next reason why this is important is that there's a promise attached to it. It goes on to say in this verse, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land your Lord is giving you. What it's saying here is that if you want to mature, if you want to get security in life, if you just want to grow up, then we should, we should honor our parents. Because that's partly what they're there for, is to help us to grow up, to help us to mature. And it's not just true, you could probably thinking, I may be talking all of this to the wrong people. <laughs> There's a whole load of them down there that perhaps they need to hear this, and they do. But we need to hear it as well. You know, some of us have still got a lot of growing up to do. I've got a lot of growing up to do. And our parents can still help us with that. This might be a slightly different relationship we have with them now in terms of how we obey the things that they say, but we should still be seeking to honor them, to listen to them, to respect them and their opinions, what they have to say to us. So I want to look at a few points of how we can do that, of uh, how we can be uh, a son, how we can be a daughter. Now, the first thing to say is that we should we should hopefully, this is obvious, but we do it through, through worship, through, through loving God. With all of these commandments in the kind of the second half of the list, all of them we have to keep coming back to the principles that we've already laid out. First of all, we, we love God, we worship him, we honor him. You find that by, by honoring your parents, not only that itself is an act of worship, but to flip it the other way around, in worshiping, that will help us to honor. When we learn how to honor God in our hearts, that helps us to honor other people around us. So first of all, how to be a son or daughter is learn to be a son or daughter before your father in heaven, to worship him. 
The second is to give weight, to give kind of weighty honor. That's how you could translate that by word in the Bible. Is it's like weighty. You know, man, if, if, if you have a difficult conversation, you'd be like, oh, man, that was heavy. Does anyone use that expression? It was a heavy conversation. You know, you come, if, I don't know if you've ever had that sort of difficult conversation where you come away, you maybe even feel that kind of sense of weight on your soul. Like you just feel like, oh, it was heavy. It's a kind of an emotive thing because there's a deep value attached to it, a deep importance attached to it. And the honor we're to give is a, a weighty thing has value to it, like a heavy bar of gold. Something that has some, it's like a prize that we pass on. And we should, we should prize, we should esteem, we should honor our parents and people in authority around us. And really, practically, how to do that is, I know for many of us here, we, a lot of us don't live in the same city or the same country or maybe even the same continent as our parents, but through the wonders of modern technology, you can pick up the phone, you can Skype them or whatever. That's actually a really helpful way just to honor your parents, is just to talk with them every now and again. I tell you what, they will really value that, just you regularly getting in touch with them. And I'm kind of speaking to myself because I'm not very good at this. When we were in the process of moving here to Amsterdam, my dad had to sit me down and say, Matt, can, can you just tell me what's going on? Because <laughs> you're making all these decisions and, and we, we feel like we're not quite sure what's happening here. And I thought, oh goodness, I've not honored them very well in this. I've kind of, Joe and I had run ahead with this plan. I thought, I've not just even told them practically what's happening. It's an important way you can give honor is just talk to them, pick up the phone. Next one, so we can give weighty honor, we can worship, and we can show uh, obedience. And I said that, that changes as, as, you, as you grow up. A different relationship with your parents now that they're, they're older. In the, you know, my mom doesn't call me up and tell me when to go to bed anymore. Or you know, she doesn't check if I'm eating enough vegetables. Actually, she probably would. But anyway... But your, your relationship does change, but still there's a fundamental principle there that we should honor our, our parents, in, in, sometimes even in obedience. So when Joe and I got engaged, um, I, I, I went to my parents and I told them about it, and they came back a few weeks later and said, we think you should wait. Like, not stop being engaged, but just the date that we had for the wedding. They were like, just... Just put it off six months, because you're going a bit too quick. You've got a lot to do, um, just for purely practical reasons. And, and I kind of thought, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Silly old people. <laughs> that's, that's generally what I thought. I just thought, oh, goodness, here we go. And I thought, no, Joe and I talked about it and thought, no, we should, we should, we should honor this. M maybe even if we don't understand why, you know, I'm just going to trust that they know better than I do, because they've been around a lot longer. <laughs> So we did, we, we postponed it six months, and it was, it was a good decision, it blessed us. It did us good. I'm glad we, we honored my parents in that, it was an important thing to do. The next one, the support. Now I guess this is perhaps where it kicks in a bit more for us now as we're older and as our parents are getting older. A great way to honor them is to show support. Now obviously in, in the context that the Bible was written, 
there wouldn't have been the kind of welfare state as we know it, as in provision from the government to help people or pensions and all those sort of things to help the elderly and a good health care system and all of that. But still, there's, there's an onus on us uh, to make sure our parents are being supported, to make sure that they're being cared for. As I said earlier, you know, they once looked after us and then we have an opportunity to, to almost thank them for that and look after them and care for them and to support them in lots of different ways. And I had a, 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 a conversation, a fascinating conversation recently with a friend of mine who, um, he, he's, he hadn't known his dad for, for, his dad had left when he was young. He, I don't think he'd ever really known him. And then as an adult, he just decided to reconnect with his, with his dad. And he went, we went and found him. He had to do a bit of research to find out where he was and reconnected. Um, and now they're, they're kind of trying to rebuild their relationship. And he was telling me this, and part of me kind of thought, why, you know, he's, why, why would you do that? Um, but what he said was, was really profound. He said, I, I want to learn what it is to be a son. And although he had, he had a stepdad who he had a great relationship with, so he'd been a son in that regard. His stepdad had died recently. But yeah, he was just, I want to learn how to be a son because he was trying to follow this commandment. <laughs> He, he wanted to honor his dad, even though his dad hadn't really lived in a very, very honoring way to him. He thought, as part of my worship to God, I'm, I'm going to honor my dad. That's really profound. I just, I thought, what a great example of the gospel right there. You know, his dad hasn't really done anything for him his whole life, but yet he still wants to love and honor his dad. Great picture of how Jesus loves us, you know, where we think, so often I don't have much to bring to the table. So much of my life is dishonoring to God, and yet he chooses to love us, even when we don't love him. So some of you have been probably been listening, thinking, <laughs> it sounds like a verse for a nice Christian family, right, to honor your parents. But you might think, well, you just, you know, maybe you've come from uh, even uh, an abusive family, uh, or just an angry family or um, a family that doesn't really know how to forgive one another. Um, so, so this might sound like, oh, I, can't, I don't really, I just don't want to honor them because um, that's not really been the story of what my family was like. Maybe for some people, it'd be difficult for you to say, really, who is your family? There's just because there's lots of brokenness and lots of difficult scenarios. And I think it's, it's a, there's a reason that God attaches a promise to this commandment, which Paul says in Ephesians, he says it's the only commandment, or the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. I think part of the reason that's there is because God knows that this one's difficult for us. It's not easy or straightforward sometimes to honor your parents. And God's got a lot of grace for that. And he's there to help you with that, to encourage you along the way with that. And as I said before, we, we should never, we never honor our parents at the expense of honoring God. It's a really important principle to know, because you might think, well, how can I honor my parents when they're like this? You know, for some of you, you might even be a believer in Jesus, but they're not, and they might not like that. And you think, well, how do I honor them for such a fundamental decision in my life? And the answer is, well, first of all, we're to honor God. 
That's the number one thing we have to get in place. We honor him before we honor anybody else. Part of your journey of honoring them is just maybe learning to forgive them. Um, it might be that there's some, there's some rec- uh, reconciliation needs to take place, some relationships which you know just aren't right. Um, and you might feel like, well, it's not right because they need to, they need to say sorry to me. Well, that might be true, but maybe the, the way to enable that to happen is for you to go to them first, for you to offer them your own forgiveness, for you to, to begin to open up that relationship. And that might be hard and tricky for you. If it is, we'd love to help and support you in that. That's part of what it is to be a bigger church family, that as brothers and sisters together, that we can stand with one another and walk people through how to reconcile relationships, how to forgive one another. It's something we can do together and help one another with. And also, it's, it's, it's important for us just to close here and remember that, you know, we're, we're not the perfect children. We don't always honor very well, but we come to one Jesus who, who was a perfect son. There's a beautiful story in, in uh, John chapter 19, when Jesus is on the cross, he says he saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, which was John, standing nearby. And he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And it was, we see Jesus even on the cross fulfilling this commandment seeking to to honor his mother, even in his dying moments. And we see wonderfully that that Jesus was the perfect son to rescue us from all our own failings, all our dishonor. He fulfilled that perfectly. And he was the perfect son to lead you and me to the perfect father. That's the, the really a beautiful, amazing thing about what it is to be a Christian. It's really fundamentally what it is to be a Christian is to know that we have a Father in heaven who loves us. And, and your view, your idea of what a father is may be tainted from your own relationship with a father, but then you just let the Bible speak to you about what your Father in heaven is like. It's just perfect grace and compassion for you. You know, you you never have to earn his love. He's always there for you. He's listening to you. He's waiting for you. And that's just the wonder of this verse is we think, oh, I'm not even very good at honoring my, I don't even want to honor my parents. And he'll give you the strength to do that, but he'll call you into this perfect relationship with him with your perfect heavenly father. Jesus said in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you. This is a a difficult verse this morning for so many reasons, but mainly because for, for, for many of us here that it's, uh, it gets right to the very 
depths of our heart. And we think, oh, just, I don't want to honor them. Um, they don't deserve it. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you just work deeply in our hearts to change us um, and to draw us ultimately into this perfect relationship we can have with you. Just a father who loves us tenderly, kindly, compassionately. And, and for some of us, this is going to be a hard journey and I pray that you would help us to know what it is to honor our parents. It doesn't mean we have to do everything we say when they're, when they're not honoring God, but we, we, we want to, as best we can, respect them and esteem them. And not just our parents, but the other elderly people we see around us or just people in authority around us. As best we can, we want to respect and honor them because, Jesus, we want to respect and honor you. And we can only do that through your help. So we, I ask Holy Spirit that you come help us. Help us to honor those around us and help us to honor you. Help us to know you. Amen.